0: The following is a special sports presentation of UltimateSportsTalk.com. A swing and a pop-up. First base side, foul ground, playable. Santana makes the catch! The Indians have
1: won! The American League pennant!
0: UltimateSportsTalk.com now presents the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show a comprehensive look at the Cleveland Indians and Cincinnati Reds. For the seventh consecutive season, we examine each team and their progress throughout the 2017 Major League Baseball season. And now, the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Well, another baseball season has come to a close. The 2017 MLB season is over And the Cleveland Indians are heading into postseason play for the second consecutive year. Meanwhile, the Cincinnati Reds, they have got to ponder what they need to do to get back to postseason play throughout this offseason. Good evening, everyone. I'm Dave Mitchell. Along with Mark Donahue, we're going to be talking about the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds at the end of this 2017 baseball season here on the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show, as we do each and every week. And to do that, let's bring in our resident Reds expert, Mark Donahue and Mark, before we get into all of this, the baseball season and everything that's gonna happen this week, really gotta send out our thoughts and prayers to those people in Las Vegas that had all the problems and the shooting going on last night on the on the strip.
1: Yeah, having stayed out in Las Vegas probably uh a thousand times in my life, uh, and staying at Mandalay Bay, uh it it's so heartbreaking to to know what those people went through and uh you're correct we're thinking about them and praying for them and uh it's a terrible tragedy and i i keep thinking that the next one we have will be the last one but i'm afraid it won't be
0: yeah and uh we just want to keep them as i said in our hearts and prayers here this evening as they try to get to the bottom of what happened there. Well, Mark, a lot of things are going on this week in Major League Baseball as we turn ourselves to that. And to do that, let's talk about the Indians, first of all, to start off tonight's show, because they are going to go into postseason play. You know, this was one of the baseball seasons, Mark, for only the first, well, first time in a long time, but only the sixth time in baseball history. Have there been three teams in the same regular season win 100 games? The Dodgers won 104 this year, the Indians won 102, and the Astros won 101. That's quite an accomplishment. It's not easy to win 100 games anymore.
1: It's not, and it's... Uh, name those cities again, David.
0: The Dodgers, the Indians, and Houston.
1: Anything interesting about those cities?
0: <laughs> uh, two of the three are... Within the top ten of major, being a major market team.
1: Well, uh, Chicago is, LA is number one. Chicago is number three, and Houston is number five. So uh, that lets you know that uh, not a lot of teams uh, in in the smaller markets are going to win hundred games, and the the Indians <laughs> are are bucking the trend. I mean, uh, I consider Cleveland a mid-market. I don't know what you think.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you. So is Minnesota. I think Minnesota's in the same boat, and look what they've done. You know, matter, matter, matter of fact, Mark, when you look at Minnesota, what they have done this year has been almost unprecedented. They went from one of the worst records in baseball last year to the top one of the top five records in the American League this year making the playoffs and they basically have not done that by making a major trade, bringing in a major free agent or anything. They've just got the same team almost that they had last year.
1: That's true. But if you go back a year before that, if you go back to the 2015, that was a pretty good team that year. They, they had a pretty, I think they had a pretty good record. They certainly had a, a roster full of young players. In 2016, they ran into some tough luck, some injuries and that kind of thing. But that team was on the drawing board. Uh, and, and I think, yeah, we were surprised because they did it all in one year. But Minnesota historically has been been a franchise that has had had produced uh, winning teams. Yeah, and uh, I, I'm just, I guess, the, proud is the wrong term. But when you look at the Indians and, and the Twins, what they've done, uh, I, I think they need special uh, commendation for <laughs> for doing it in in. In competition with New York, with Chicago, and with Houston, I mean it's it's a it's an interesting uh, makeup of the rich get richer, I guess, uh, in baseball. I mean the the payroll for the Yankee or for the Dodgers and the payroll for the Cubs and the payroll for most of the teams that win are, is significantly higher than than those of t- the losing teams. Mm-hmm. It, it becomes. A math equation, and that's a dangerous thing. And that's why I'm so happy when a team like the Twins uh, buck that trend and and produce a winner on the field.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's it's good for the good for the sport. I, I really believe that it's good for the sport because you don't have all of the major market teams in the playoffs this year. Especially, you know, of course, you've got the Yankees, but the Mets just simply just went right down the tubes this year. Mark, I've got a couple of numbers here that I want to bring out to you. <laughs> The Indians won 102 games this year, as I said at the top of the show. That's the third time in their history that they have won 100 games. And the previous two times, they've gone to the World Series. 1954 and 1995, they won 100 games. That 95 team won 100 games in just 144 games that season because it was a strike-shortened season. And now the Indians won 102 and 58 this year. And you want to know another stat that I think is even more impressive? And you tell me if you've ever heard this before. The Cleveland Browns yesterday, when they lost to the Bengals, they've gone 0 and 4 in the month of September. They've lost 4 games. Mark, do you realize that the Indians lost only 4 games in the month of September?
1: <laughs> That's amazing. That really is.
0: And here's uh, another question. Who's going to score more runs in the month of Who's going to score more in the month of October? The Browns or the Indians?
1: <laughs> well, the way the Browns looked yesterday against the Bengals, oh. uh, I got to give England, uh, Cleveland, the Indians a a leg up on that bet. But uh, you know, so many things that concerned me at the beginning of the season um, about the Reds certainly came to fruition. But uh, one last thought on the Indians before we move on. This sets up to me the scenario that I think every Cleveland Indian fan must have lingering in their heart somewhere. Minnesota seems to be a destined team. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't if they're going to win the you know the one game plan or not, but I wouldn't want to play the Indians <laughs> only because if they win, they're going to have even more momentum, and they seem to give Cleveland you know a good game. They do. And, it's it's gonna it's not gonna be a pushover. I saw this morning on the sports line that Cleveland is prohibitive favorite to get to certainly to win the the American League pennant, but also to win the World Series. And that is to me always a kiss of death that you overlook what stumbling blocks in front of you. And and I know Francona is beating his guys about the head and shoulders, warning them about this kind of letdown. But are you concerned about the Twins?
0: Oh, I am. Tremendously so. I've been worried about the Twins ever since the beginning of the season because uh, when we played the Twins in April and things weren't going well for the Indians, the Twins were outstanding against the Indians. Matter of fact, the Indians could not beat the Twins in Cleveland. That was an impossibility for them until late in the year, especially the last three games that they played them earlier this week. And they finally won two out of three against Minnesota, which is the best that the Indians had done in a series against the Twins this year. So when you look at that series against Minnesota, you're right. It is not going to be an easy series if it's Minnesota. But as I heard Tom Hamilton say, and I told you last week when I called you up and we talked about midweek, Mark, one of the network people told Tom Hamilton, the Indians announcer last week, that they hoped it was going to be the Yankees that won that one game playoff against Minnesota because... They need the ratings, and a Minnesota Cleveland series just would not be a draw,
1: yeah, what a stupid thing to say, yeah. and you know I mean I on paper it'd be interesting to see what Vegas does on that play in game on paper, I'd go with the Yankees, just you know the, the, I guess the math if you look at it that they seem to have better players because the reason I say that it is I don't know. The players on the Twins as well. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, I'm sure they're, they're, they're great players. They wouldn't be where they are. But you have to admit, people don't know. I bet the average baseball fan couldn't name three or four of the top players on the Minnesota Twins.
0: I, I agree with you. They probably couldn't. I mean, I have a and, tough time, and I follow the sport. I mean, you've got Bartolo Colon, Chris Jimenez, and I only know those two because they're former Indians you've got Joe well,
1: Mauer and and Mauer and those guys I mean they've got when you look at it yeah. you analyze it yeah they got some pretty good players but you, you just think from i guess publicity or expectation or whatever that the Yankees are supposed to win that and if they, if the Yankees do win it that that brings up some interesting discussions regarding the Indians a Yankees series but right now I, I would fear the Twins just because they're on a psychological high right now and I wouldn't want to play them.
0: All right so the wild card games are set they're going to be played on Tuesday and Wednesday the American League between Minnesota and the Yankees will be played tomorrow night the, the Wednesday night the National League game will be played that's between Colorado and that will be played at Arizona against the Diamondbacks and then the winner of that Minnesota New York Yankees game We'll play the Cleveland Indians, and that starts on Thursday. That's a 7:38 game from Progressive Field on Thursday night, and then the Friday game is going to be at 5:08 on Friday afternoon. Then I believe they get a day off, Mark. But uh, after that, that's when they'll they'll move to either New York or Minnesota, depending upon who the visiting team is. So let's switch. Hey, Dave, one, yeah, go one, ahead. Hold on
1: a second before we move on. What do you think? I mean, talk about a tough off season, Milwaukee. Had they won oh. that game the other day against St. Louis, they had a six to nothing lead in the first two innings. Had they won that game, they would have tied, and there'd be a playoff today. Yeah, with uh, for, for Colorado for that last spot. Can you imagine the awful taste in your mouth all winter when you blow a six-run lead? Oh my God, that had to be one of the most heartbreaking losses I can remember for a team that had it. They had the playoff in their hand, or at least they had uh, a playoff game to get to the playoffs in their hand and they blew it.
0: Yep. Yep. Okay. Let's move on to the Reds. They ended up 68 and 94. You called it. I went back and I listened to the preview show. You didn't think that the Reds would win 70 games this year. You were right. They ended up at 68 and 94, 24 games behind the Cubs. So you are now the GM of the Cincinnati Reds. How do you make up at least 12 games by next season?
1: You have to get healthy and you have to get lucky. And the the healthy part really relies on two things, Tony DiSclefani and Homer Bailey. If those guys are healthy, I think they with the remaining pitching staff that they have, they can cobble together a a decent rotation and a decent bullpen, for that matter. But then you have to get lucky. You're going to have to avoid injuries going into next year. Uh, you're going to have to make some smart moves with your payroll. And, and I don't, I don't think they're going to sign Zach Cozart unless he can't get the deal he wants from another team. Then they might. But right now, the team, I think, has enough talent on the offensive side and defensively to be good. I mean, I think they have, they, they, they hit a lot of home runs. Uh, they, they drive in a lot of runs. They, they have some speed. They, they are not as consistent as I would like them to be, but a lot of that is because they have young players. That should improve. So I'm, I'm okay defensively and offensively. The whole thing revolves around what do you do with that pitching staff because th- there's a lot of holes in it. And I, I tell you, the, the guy who scares me more than anything uh, in terms of relying on him is Lorenzen. He, he had an awful, awful second half His ERA was close to six in the second half, and he throws a a fastball that doesn't move, and they're relying on this guy to be the eighth-inning guy or a starter next year. I don't see it. I I don't see where he has the consistency you know, to to step up and be that shutdown guy. And so what do you do with Iglesias? Do you put him in the bullpen?
0: Before you move on to Iglesias, let me ask you one question about Lorenzen. How many games did he pitch in this year?
1: Uh, I'm guessing around 65, 66.
0: Okay. Is that the most that he has ever pitched in in one major league season?
1: Yep, it is.
0: Well, that might be one of the reasons for his second half demise because of the fact that he had thrown more, more ball games than he ever had before. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt on that one. So let's move on to Iglesias.
1: Well, Iglesias had a bad second half too. He, he uh, his ERA went from 1.42 to 2.5 uh, in the second half, and he, I think in the last four or five appearances, he gave up runs, which was something he has not been doing all year. So th- there's a there's a lot of reason on the offensive and defensive side to be optimistic. But Dave, as you know, and look at the Indians are the perfect example of that. Unless you have good starting pitching starting pitching you need five guys who can go seven innings each time they go out and if you don't have that you're going to lose you look at every team that's in the playoffs they're in the playoffs because of their pitching with one exception i would say there's one exception to that and that's the cubs the cubs have had inconsistent starting but they've had a lockdown bullpen they've got good defense they've got great offense and they Usually, you know, when I think they hit more home runs than the Reds did this year, two hundred twenty-five home runs—that's a lot of runs you're going to score. Mm-hmm. So the Cubs kind of just bludgeoned everybody to death this year, but they had a down year comparatively, you know, to the to the year before. Uh, I think what ninety and seventy-two, I think
0: something like that. Ninety-two
1: and seventy. Ninety-two and seventy. So they came down. They I think they won over a hundred games last year. So uh, that team fell off because of their starting pitching. So everything revolves around starting pitching, no matter what the Reds do with Cozart or anybody else, whatever trades they make, not that they're not important, but the Reds score enough runs to win a division. Their defense is good enough to win a division. What they don't have is a group of five starting pitchers they can depend on.
0: Here's the numbers on Lorenzen, all right? And both Lorenzen and Iglesias both came up in the 2015 season. So they've pitched the last three seasons. But for Lorenzen, his innings pitched, they were the most, the most he's ever pitched is 113 in the third innings. That was in his first year, 2015, but he was a starter. He started 21 games that year, pitched in 27. This year he did not start a game. He pitched in 70 ball games this year, but he pitched in 83 innings. So he pitched 30 innings less this year. Then his high water mark of 2015, but he was in 70 ball games this season. So that, that's where I was coming from on that stat. As far as Iglesias is concerned, same thing. He started 16 games in 2015. He was in 18 games, so he had two relief appearances that year. 95 and a third innings for Iglesias. This year is the least amount of innings that he has pitched as a Cincinnati Red. Last year he pitched 78 and a third. This year he pitched an even 76 innings he was in 63 games mark all in relief now from what I understand and I've never been a relief pitcher and but you have got all the times that you're up and down and throwing there's a lot more torque on your arm when it comes to throwing as far as being a guy in the bullpen because you're up and throwing all the time and maybe get into the game maybe not than you are as a starter because you, you normally don't throw in between starts except for that second day after your start, uh, that's when you throw if you're a starting pitcher. So these guys probably have not been used to being a relief pitcher because this was really their, their first full-time flut, full-time attempt at being a relief pitcher. Maybe their arms just got tired in the second half.
1: Well, something happened because in the second half of the year, Lorenzen had a 6.32 ERA. Yeah and and even Iglesias a 3.51 and he's, he's your closer that's that's really high for a closer a 3.51 ERA so maybe you're right i don't know the reason i don't think anybody knows the reason uh, but what possibly could happen is the league has figured these guys out they know lorenzo does not have a put out a, a lockdown pitch other than his fastball and if you key on that fastball you're going to hit it now iglesias has a lot more deception With his motion and different arm angles and those kinds of things. But at the same time, he fell down significantly in the second half. And that's, that's scary when you, when you, you think you have certain blocks that you can build on, on your, on your pitching staff. And two guys, I know the Reds were counting on this year to have just great years, were Glacius and the Rinsen. And they got progressively worse through the year, and that is a scary proposition. I hope you're right. I hope it's because they just got tired. But if you're going to have a pitching staff that is anchored in the eighth and ninth innings, and, and they, as you know, those are the worst games to lose. Yeah. You know, you're head three to one going into the ninth and you lose the game. That sits in your crawl for a month that you lost that game. Yep. So you have to have that, that closer. Like and like the Indians have foreclosures on that team. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so long story short, the, the second half of the year, some of these ERAs for guys that they're looking, you know, Peralta. The second half of the year had a four point eight eight ERA. Bailey five point nine nine. The Renz six point three two. These are guys that you're, you're you're looking for next year. Now, on the positive side. I think Robert Stevenson made some real gains this year. Uh, I think his last eight starts, he had a 2.50 ERA. That's showing, that's showing some improvement. And the reason he improved, he got a new pitch. Uh, he, he developed that slider. He threw that slider hard and it's hard to hit. And with a little bit of deception, uh, he could add to his repertoire. I mean, if he adds a change up, he, he's going to be a tough pitcher. So, Everything the Reds can do this year should be evolved around this offseason, should be toward the pitching. That is the only way they're going to improve that team. And, you know, the the thing that (laughs) – the uh, the highlight of this year, and we can talk about this in a few minutes in more detail, i have some details, is Joey Votto. What Joey Votto did this year was unconscious. And, uh, you know, I think he – as I saw on SportsCenter the other night – three of the major writers are are voting for Vido for mvp which i think would be a shock to everybody
0: yeah that that one is definitely it may not be a shock to a lot of the baseball people around the game that that hang around the game all the time but some of the fans and and i'll tell you the people in la and new york are going to have a cow over something like that how, how much well, how much, let me ask you this about the the red starting pitching you figure you've got disclafani coming back you think you do, all right? Bailey coming back, and he'll be a year away from that surgery, so he should be back to where he was prior to the surgery. And you've got, well, I'm going to ask you, how much are they going to depend upon Finnegan?
1: How, you can't depend on Finnegan. I don't think you can depend on DiScafani. There's, there's no, you'd be foolish to, because you, you, you don't know what these guys can do. That they, they've never been healthy. Why would you build your pitching staff around guys who have never gone? I mean, Finnegan hasn't pitched for an entire year, but Di has been out for two years. I mean, why would you depend on him? That would be foolish for them to do that.
0: Okay, so who, so do, you, gonna, so who do you see as their starting rotation next year after Bailey and after Stevenson?
1: Well, it's going to be a torn cost. I think Bailey looked pretty good, uh, uh, in his yeah. short stint with the Reds, I, I think he's got to be penciled in right now. You got Stevenson, you got Maley, you got Bailey, uh, probably Sao Romano. Uh, I think he had a number of good starts this year. Yeah, he did. Uh, so he, he would be one of my guys. Uh, Amir Garrett.
0: Yeah, uh, he start-
1: needs a, he, he needs a lot of help on his location. His stuff is there. Yeah. His stuff is really there. And then of course, you've his got last the young- start of
0: the year, Mark Garrett's last start of the year, he was outstanding.
1: Yeah, and and then the, the, the big, I, I think the, the the hope for the Reds is Castillo. Uh, that kid could be the anchor, uh, you know, for this rotation down the road. Uh, so you you've got the makings of a decent pe- pitching, pitching staff, with Maley, Castillo, Stevenson. Those are three young guys, and you throw in Homer Bailey, and then uh, you know one other, maybe Amir Garrett. So th- there is some hope there. But the, the point is these guys. Not one of those guys is proven to be healthy of, of late or have not had enough experience that you can depend on them. Look, look what Garrett did the first month of, of the year. April, he was, what, 4-0 and had a 2.2 ERA? Yeah. And then he, he got blown up. Then he got sent down to the minors, and he was never the same pitcher. He got, he got beat up down in the minors. So you can't build your pitching staff on an unproven commodity like that what I would do is go out and get another Feldman, somebody like that, or two, and put Garrett in the bullpen. Bring them into you know spots where they they can uh, succeed. Uh, the other guy that you know you, you have no idea how they're going to do is Cody Reed. Cody Reed's got a big league arm, but he hasn't done anything to give a general manager any right to expect him to perform next year. And, and you'd be a fool if you did.
0: Mark, before we get back to the Indians, I want to talk about the attendance figures this year. And a lot of people will tell you that baseball is a local game and these attendance figures would really point that out to be true. Do you know who led the major leagues in attendance this year? Take one guess. Um, Houston. The Dodgers by 300,000. They they got 3.7 million people through oh the through the stands this year to watch the Dodgers play in what was the best season the Dodgers have ever had as far as wins in a regular season. St. Louis was second at 3.4. San Francisco, Mark, who finished in last place, 3.3 million, and then came the Yankees at 3.1. Toronto had 3.2. The Cubs had 3.2, and the Angels drew just over 3 million people. Those are your top eight teams. Colorado was just under 3 million mark. They were at number 8 at 2.9. So was Boston and Milwaukee this year. 2.5 million. They drew the same amount of people, almost virtually the same amount of people, just 30,000 more than Washington did. And where were the Reds, David? Oh, now, now you're asking a question. The Reds were all the way down to number 26. They brought in 1.8 million, but Mark, that was only 175,000 less than the Cleveland Indians who drew just over 2 million people. Of all the teams in Major League Baseball, 23 teams finished with attendance of 2 million people or more. 23 of the 30 teams. Do you know who was in last place? Philadelphia. Tampa Bay at 1, oh, yeah. 1. 1.2 million. Why Major League Baseball ever thought they had to put a team in Tampa Bay is just ridiculous. And they only play Oakland, Oakland, the White Sox and Tampa Bay and Philadelphia. There's another one. Philadelphia also had less than 81 games at home. Why I don't know, they probably especially Tampa Bay. How could you not have They've got a dome. How did they only play 80 games?
1: I think they because of the storm I think they, they okay. moved one of their games All right, uh, the right. hurricane. That makes
0: sense. You're right. That makes sense. Okay. So, and even if you add in their average amount of attendance, Tampa Bay's average attendance this year was 15,670. But the Indians, as I said, they, they ended up with attendance over 2 million people this year. That's the first time they've done that in several seasons. So, you know, to sit there and say that Major League Baseball is a dying sport and that people aren't going out to the stands anymore – well, that just shows you that they're wrong.
1: I'd be interested to know, too, how many of the – they say the attendance, say for the Dodgers, was what, 3.2 million, 3.5
0: million? 3.7 million. 3,765,000.
1: Well, I've been to Dodger Stadium about a 100 times because I used to work in L.A. and I used to go to the Dodger games all the time. You'd be shocked how many empty seats you have there at a sellout. <laughs> it's amazing. So I believe because I wonder how many you know, people buy season's tickets, but they don't go to the games. And that would be kind of an interesting statistic to look at, that people actually show up for these games. But I, I think of all the numbers you just mentioned, the one that surprises me most is Cleveland. Yeah. I mean, there, was this teams, there were times back in the 90s you couldn't get in that place. It was sold out for how many games in a row?
0: 455.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's... That's, what, five years worth of baseball, four years worth of baseball.
0: Here's another interesting stat for you, Mark, an interesting attendance figure. Overall, this is all the games, 162 games. Do you know who the biggest draw in baseball was? The biggest draw. These guys are the ones that led the league in fans at every game, average attendance.
1: Cubs? Dodgers.
0: Dodgers, again, 40,000.
1: It's amazing about the Dodgers, too. They lost what? They lost eleven games in a row, and yeah. they still had the best record in baseball. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's amazing.
0: I mean, they they were up on the Indians by twenty-two games, and at the end of July, at the end of July, they were up on the Indians by twenty-two games. They ended up up on the Indians by two, two games. Jeez. That's the way the season ended. Now, let me bring up a couple of other stats to you. Do you know what the Indians' run differential was during the month of September? I'm gonna guess. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, 124. 145
1: to 37. Wow. Holy cow. Yeah. Well, wait a minute. Now you said differential. So, w- well, w- w- what's the difference between what, what is it? One, 144
0: and 145 and 37 is, uh,
1: 108. Yeah. 108. One, 108. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Jay Bruce drove in 100 runs for the first time. Now he didn't do all of it in Cleveland. But he drove in 100 runs for the first time in his career.
1: You know, are you sure about that?
0: Yeah. Huh.
1: Yep. I thought he I thought he drove in over 100 with
0: the Reds for a couple of years. I, I will check, there. but that's what they were saying yesterday. First time he had driven in 100 runs in his career. Hmm. Yeah, Michael Brantley came back. Michael Brantley came yeah, back. Is he, came... he, he going to be on the roster? Yes, he will be. He came back and hit a home run yesterday. Hit a home run yesterday. You know what? They're wrong. He did drive in a hundred runs with the Reds in 2013. 109 runs. He had 30, 30 home runs, 109 RBIs. So they were wrong.
1: See, Dave. In the future, in the future, Dave.
0: Check with you first. Trust
1: what I say and not what you read. Okay?
0: (laughs) Yep. But this year he drove in 101 runs and had 37 home runs. Boy, that's that's a season. And he won't get any love for most valuable player.
1: No, and he shouldn't. You know, you divide your, your your teams that way. But you probably hit 250, 260, something like that. That's the problem about Jay Bruce. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what the Indians do. And it, I would make a bet if the Indians go all the way and win it, they'll sign him. And if they don't win it all, they won't. Who's, because they're going to have Br- Bradley back next year.
0: Who's the best fit for Jay Bruce? Besides the Indians, Where where do you think would be the best fit for him?
1: Oh, God. I think there's a lot of fits for Jay Bruce. Uh, he's, uh, you know, especially... He can play first base. I don't know how well he played it for the Indians. Uh But, you know, as he gets into his his later years, with his swing, uh he could play in the American League for another 10 years. So, I think there's a lot of American League teams that could use him. He's still a very good defensive player. At least he was with the Reds last year.
0: Yeah, he, and he's only 30 years old, Mark.
1: I know. That's amazing. He's... He's four years younger than Joey Votto, so that's that's an amazing statistic. But uh, he's—I think there's a lot of places for Jay, and I, he'll probably sign. Yeah, you know, I can see a team like the Yankees, or the Angels, or, or another team that has the payroll uh, spot for him. Who wants a dependable guy who's going to hit you 28 to 32 home runs every year, drive in 90 to 100 runs, play good defense, great teammate. Uh, he's been in the big games. So, yeah, I think a lot of teams would like to have Jay Bruce. Here's
0: another thing, Mark, that I'm going to throw out to you. This He struck out 139 times this year in 555 at-bats. He had 617 plate appearances, okay? Struck out 139 times. That is the least that he has struck out in baseball since... Well, last year he struck out only 126 times when he split the year between the Mets and the Reds. But every other time, 145, 149, 185, 155, 158. 2010, he struck out 136 times. So he cut down his strikeouts tremendously this year.
1: Yeah, why don't you ask me how many times Jay Bruce struck, or um, Joey Votto struck out.
0: All right, how many times did Joey Votto strike out this year, Mark?
1: 83.
0: 83. Yeah.
1: I mean, his year this year was really unconscionable. And I, you know, I hope that the, the baseball writers look at what he has done in, in terms of, his, for a 34-year-old, or for anybody, for a 22-year-old, the year he had this year was really one, one of the best in Red's history. And his, his on-base percentage, everything he did this year was at, or, or broke a a career record for him, or was very near a career record. But he only struck out 83 times. He was on base over 320 times. I mean, that's that's crazy. And I think he can win the MVP. I'm, I think there'll be enough votes for him. There'll be enough purists out there. Because who would you, in, in the National League, who would you look to that had a better year than Joey Bottoe?
0: Boy, that's a well. well,
1: Stanton with the home runs is you know that's a logical response, but I can't think of a a player on a team.
0: Bellinger with the Dodgers.
1: Uh, Yeah, maybe he he didn't play the whole year. His numbers are great, right? Uh, But you know what? What Joey did uh, this year in terms of of, of his concentration. I mean, it's just an amazing thing. Uh, his is uh, his line this year was 320 454 and 578 with 36 home runs 100 RBIs and he scored 106 runs he led the majors in walks with 134 he led the majors on OPS at 1032 i mean his his numbers he just doesn't make outs and that's he, yeah 134 times he walked compared to 83 strikeouts. That's that alone is a statistic you just don't hear in baseball anymore.
0: All right, I'm going to I'm going to let you explain yourself because I've not only heard you say this but over the last couple of weeks I've heard a lot of people say this around Cincinnati and that is Joey Votto is the best hitter in Cincinnati Reds history. Now, how can that be? And I'm playing doubles advocate here. How can that be when Pete Rose is the all-time hit
1: leader? Well, because Pete Rose has more base hits. He had more singles. But Joey Votto, clearly, his slugging percentage, way more home runs, more, more RBIs, more total bases, more walks. Uh, you really can't – Pete was a singles hitter, and I, I love Pete Rose, And he was a perfect complement to that, that big red machine deal they had. But but Joey Votto, um, <laughs> I've, I've been – Playing baseball or watching baseball all my life, and I had never seen a tougher out in baseball. I've seen guys have years where they might hit 50 home runs or drive in 130 runs, and they're off the chart for a year. But over the course of a 10-year career, Joey Votto has done things that no Reds player, uh, no Reds player has done, and very few players in the history of baseball have done. That's how, how good he is, how- and he does he doesn't make outs.
0: How do you define a tough out? Uh,
1: a, a guy who will have a 10, 11 pitch at bat okay. and then hit a three run home run. That's a tough out. A guy that if you throw him a strike, he will hit it hard. And then I, I don't want to get so number crazy here, but there is a stat. There, and here's the other thing about Joey Votto. There's a stat called batting average with balls in play. And that means that, that that stat means that when you hit a ball and it's fair, how, what, what's your batting average? And the amazing thing about it this year, his was low, which means he wasn't lucky. If you're lucky, that mm-hmm. number might be 360 or 370. His was like 315, 320.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That, that means he wasn't lucky. But I, I purposely, the last six weeks of this season, I was watching him and. Every, this is hyperbole, I know, but it appeared every ball he hit was hit hard. And many times he would line out to the first baseman, line out to the second baseman, put the left fielder against the back of, you know, the left field fence. He can go either direction with the ball. And he is just a tough out. You you, you He's frustrating because you either you're going to give up a three-run home run or a home run or a double, or you're going to walk him. And to me, that is why uh Adam Duvall, despite what you see on the stat line, did not have a good year. He only drove in ninety-nine runs. Joey Votto was uh, on base three hundred and twenty-one times in front of him. <laughs> yeah, you know,
0: I want to. I want to ask you this question too, Mark, because you brought up a lot of stuff there. Okay, have has analytics, and of course, that was all set up with Billy Bean and and uh you know in the in the Oakland A's movie named Moneyball, have analytics really brought those kind of stats to the forefront in baseball?
1: I think it has redefined the the player because it gives you the you know thirty forty years ago, a good pitcher was a pitcher who won twenty games yeah now you and you know well, he won twenty and thirteen like a Robin Roberts, but they forgot that Robin Roberts was a he was a, a great pitcher. But he lost a lot of games too. And the reason is his secondary numbers weren't that good compared to other pitchers like Don Drysdale and, and, and Bob Gibson and those guys. So I, I think the analytics today, they help us define a player beyond just the obvious, how many home runs did he hit? How many RB, I, RBIs did he have? It gets into, you know, like that bat, batting average with balls in play. To me, that's an interesting statistic because It talks about luck. If you have a year where you're hitting 400 with the balls in play, you're lucky. Because Mm -hmm. that that statistically just doesn't happen in baseball. So if you have a guy with that kind of batting average, that means there's going to be a regression to the mean. Eventually, that's going to catch up with them, where those balls are going to be caught. So, yeah, I think the analytics gives general managers today a much greater insight into the value of a player, and that's what I think those numbers do. and that's something that Billy Ball, you know, by Billy Bean, he didn't really start that, but he was certainly the first guy to use it as a strategy in, in moving forward with his team. He, he, he took him seriously, right. I mean he, he's the guy who said that the stupidest thing you can do is try and steal a base. The second stupidest thing you can do is to bunt, to sacrifice. He thinks that's the worst thing you can do because you're giving up an out. That in the end, you're better off to have three outs to play with rather than two, just statistically. So those are the kind of things that I've heard for years, but Billy Bean actually did something with it. And of course, his team won 20 games in a row and, you know, everybody read the book and saw the movie, but, uh, he, yeah I think they're valuable and I think it's t- uh, guys like uh who's the general manager for the Cubs?
0: Uh Theo Epstein.
1: Yes, Theo Epstein. Guys like that and I saw him on TV and he, I always think of him as a young guy. He doesn't look that young anymore. But he certainly has
0: He's younger than you up. and I.
1: That's right. Exactly. <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> but uh th- th- these young general managers they're smart and I and I hope Williams the Red G- GM Follows their lead and looks beyond just the the, the, the the gaudy statistics that are on the top line and, and get beyond that. And, and when they start identifying talent,
0: Mark, the, the one that, here's a couple things that I want to bring up uh, as we wind the show down here in the last twenty minutes. The first thing is, the, everybody's got to complain about baseball somehow. They've always got a way to improve the game. You know, the last couple of years it's been, you know, put the clock on the pitchers, get the guys back in the batter's box, intentional walks, just let them go to first base, all this stuff, okay? The latest complaint about baseball has been the 40-man roster in the month of September, how baseball will expand their rosters in the month of September. And these guys think that it just drags the games out because you have pinch runners, you've got more pitchers in the bullpen. You know, you've got all these guys, and it ends up being, you know, some teams that are out of the running, they'll play their AAA lineup because they want to see kids, and it 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 really messes up what they say is the competitive balance. I say it's poppycock. What do you say? Uh,
1: yeah, I, I think there's something to expanding the rosters in September that if you're a team that's not independent chase, that's a valuable month to evaluate that talent and i wouldn't take that away and so what it slows down games in september and it does because the other day the uh, i think it was the cubs uh, they brought in nine pitchers i yeah. think the other day um, and so yeah that, that that's going to happen but i, I think that's a that's a minor problem in baseball but as you look at younger players and doing these analy- analytics uh even things like um the time it takes for a pitcher to pitch are going into uh, an evaluation of a guy's talent because, as you well know, you've been a catcher, a pitcher that waddles on the mound and just takes so much time and throws a lot of balls, uh, it makes your defense worse. So every little nuance the game is being challenged, and I-, I see nothing wrong with that. You and I disagree. I think some of these things are good. I know I, I really like the idea of catchers uh, being able to, you know, not being run into and have their careers ended because somebody's trying to score, you know, a run by knocking the catcher unconscious. Mm-hmm. Like, that's stupid. It's a bad use of your investment. So I think some changes are good. And the biggest thing about time in the games is the commercials. It's not the players, not the plays.
0: Yeah, uh, well, yeah, I, and I agree with you totally on that. I mean, it's, it's the commercials that have increased the time of the games in Major League Baseball. But when you've got this 40 man, you know, I've even heard that this suggestion, and I'm going to throw this out to you. What about doing what professional football does or the NBA? They have a set roster of 31, 32 players for major leagues. But you can only have 25 eligible on the day of the game and run through that uh, the entire season. What do you think of that idea?
1: I think it's a great idea, but the union won't do that because that means you could you could move up. Say it's a 40 man roster that you could interchange basically and have mm-hmm. 25 of that 40, you know, any given any given game. Uh, that means you could move these players up and down, and you can't do that under current uh, agreement because there's for the purpose that you don't want these guys. Going from Indianapolis or going from uh, minor leagues to major leagues, um, you know, fifteen times like a, a, a season yeah. or twenty times a season, you know, it disrupts their lives. That you know, they have no continuity and all that stuff. So yeah, I think it's a good idea, but I, I don't think the players would.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the situation is okay I mean, when you look at it. For example, Corey Cooler Corey Kluber could throw for the Indians, and then the next day you know he's not going to pitch. So why does he have to be on the why does he have to be on the active roster? For two or three days. You know, and that's, that's the whole idea behind this, that you can actually bring up somebody. And then somebody else said, uh, I, I heard somebody else give up the, give the idea that, okay, well, why don't you just set your roster for each series? Whether it's a two game series, three game series, four game series, doesn't matter. You know, because they almost do that now, Mark, with double headers. If you recall, they increased the roster on double headers to 26. So they can bring up an extra guy to play during double headers on those days, and that's kind of the the what they're doing here. It's an offshoot of that idea.
1: Yeah, and I, there's something to be said for that. And I, but I I think if if there are going to be complaints, it's going to be by the players' union. They don't want their guys bouncing around from you know Triple A to, to the major leagues fifteen twenty times a year. And I can, frankly I can understand that. That would that would be aggravating, not knowing where you're going to be, you know, on a weekend. Yeah, I may be called up, I may not. But you could you could get around that by having a 40 man roster, and it, like in college, you have a travel team. Mm-hmm. The cost comes in when you're taking those guys on the road, and then you're also disrupting the minor league teams because they don't know from a, from a day to day who's going to be on their roster at A, say, or A because they could you know oh, god we just lost our starting infield because guys you know they're going up there's there's a lot of problems with that i understand the logic of it but you got to think of the players too and i don't think they would enjoy that 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 yo-yo of going up and down all the time
0: yeah you 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 might be right on that the other thing that i wanted to bring up tonight you know we've talked about the last couple of years announcers retiring and of course last year uh, we lost vin scully uh, and uh, he retired as uh the announcer for the Dodgers. And Dick Enberg, whom a lot of people really didn't even know was still doing baseball because he was mired in obscurity doing Padre games, Mark. But, you know, yeah. he, he did he did retire at the end of last year. He's no longer doing baseball. We've got another announcer that's retiring at the end of this season, and he's longtime Chicago White Sox announcer, Hawk Harrelson. Now, for anybody, he's retiring. Yep. No, he, did, he didn't know that. Yeah, he's he's stepping down now. He's going to do some home games next year, but not even half the schedule he announced. Uh But he's not going to go on the road. He he is totally. He's he's gone away from going on the road. If you've ever heard Hawk Harrelson mark, and I know you have, he is the ultimate homer when it comes to announcing baseball games. He's it.
1: Yeah, I played in a golf tournament with him in Chicago. This was I don't know twenty years ago. And maybe more. Uh, and I remember all I remember about him was he uh, he had the wildest golf outfits. I mean, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a three day tournament, and he was wearing chartreuse and baby blue and and all this wild. He was a good golfer. I mean, he was a lot that's what I heard. All of us, yeah, he was really good. He hit a ball a long way. And uh, funny, really funny guy. A lot of stuff you can't repeat what he said. Oh yeah, at the at the dinners, but. Uh, yeah, I like talking. Uh Put it on the board. Just- <laughs> yes.
0: Yep. Yep. And if you all you had to do is look at him, if you get a chance, Google Hawk Harrison, look at his face, you'll know why they call him Hawk. Oh yeah, it's a big beak. Yes, yep. For sure. Yep. You'll know. And you know, he said the Indian announcers interviewed him before the last game yesterday, and that's where I heard that he was retiring because he's pretty much kept it under wraps all season that he was going to step down. At least he has nationally. But he said, you know, during he played for the Indians back in the late 60s, early 70s. And he said he enjoyed his tenure with the Indians. He loved the front office. He loved the players. He loved the city. But there was one thing he absolutely hated playing for the Indians, and that was the old stadium. He hated the yeah. old stadium.
1: Yeah, I, I don't blame him for that. <laughs> hey, speaking of announcers, uh, now you've been listening to Reds games probably more this year than, than in other years. What do you think of Marty Brenneman?
0: Um, Marty is a guy How do I couch this? Um, Marty is the type of guy that reminds you of your older, elderly next-door neighbor who has decided throughout the years that he knows everything about everything and he will be glad to tell you about it. <laughs>
1: You know, there are some nights that he says things, and uh, he, he, it seems to me that he picks a player that he doesn't like. And, and I've heard him over the years just blast Joey Votto uh, for you yeah. know not driving in enough runs or whatever. And he never gets off that. And it, it gets boring. And the players, I, from what I have heard, players can't stand him. You, you never hear... Marty Brennan talking to a player never.
0: No, you don't. I, I have noticed that this year. Yeah.
1: Because they, nobody will talk to him. And now on on the other side of the coin, he's one of the few announcers that will take a shot at ownership. Mm-hmm. And the other day, the Reds, I think they were ahead four to one and lost a game uh, in the ninth inning. Um, and he said, "You know, I can't wait for the season to be over." Well, that's that's exactly how most fans. F- feel about it now the, the organization says oh we're in rebuilding mode that's crap this is not rebuilding this is a mistake the, the, what this team has done is is really dilute this fan base over the last four or five years and I I just wonder you know, they're what 1.8 million in, in population Yeah, I don't know what they were when they were winning but I, I bet it was in the 2-3-2-4-2-5 two, 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 range that is a huge drop for a team this market size. So somebody made the calculation, uh, it's okay. We'll get the fans back. Well, the Indians are winning World Series or are going, going to World Series and their fans haven't come back from 1995. So I hope the Reds are right because, uh, you cannot compete with Milwaukee and St. Louis when you're, you're drawing what 700,000 fewer? Than those teams are, in case the the Cardinals, what over a million less. Yeah, in a comparable size market. I mean that that's they did something wrong, and uh, it's going to take a long time to fix it.
0: You know, here's the one thing that I do want to make sure that everybody realizes when when the Indians sold out 455 consecutive games, there was one blatant reason that happened, Mark. And when I tell you this, you're gonna realize, oh yeah, you're right. The Browns were gone. That was when that was during the time period that the Browns were gone. It coincided with the fact that the Indians started winning, but the Browns left town in ninety six and didn't come back until ninety nine, and that was the middle, that was right there, the beginning, middle, and end of the four hundred and fifty five consecutive games that they sold that stadium.
1: I got bad news here to r- relate to you. The Browns are still gone.
0: Oh, they're still gone.
1: Did you see the number of empty seats in the stadium yesterday?
0: Yes, yes, yeah,
1: unbelievable. Yeah, for an NFL game, uh, you know the the, the the Indians have you know captured Cleveland's heart. I, I think more than the Cavaliers have, for that matter. But think about what Cleveland has done. They've won a World Series in two major sports in the last two years, or gone to the championship the last two or three years. In a, in a relatively small market, if you mm-hmm. had the Indians performing, I mean, that would be people would say, "God, Cleveland's the sports capital of the world."
0: Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know? you you could. But here's the thing that bothers me, Mark, and I'm going to tell you this, and then we'll move into our predictions for the playoffs. The Indians, in their history, have never gone to back-to-back World Series. Never.
1: Well, few teams have.
0: Few teams have. Right. You know, but I mean, we're talking about, you know, of course the Yankees have gone, the A's have gone, the Reds have gone, the Cardinals have gone, the Tigers have gone. You know, we're talking about there, there's a lot of teams out there that have gone to back to back World Series. The Indians have never done it in their long storied history.
1: Well, I, I think it, if, if they don't, I think uh, a lot of people will have selected wrong because every, every article I've read, everything I've heard on TV, the Indians are the favorite to win the World Series. Not win the pennant, but win the World Series. Win the
0: World Series. Yeah. Mark, what what team, before we get into our predictions, I want to ask you this. What team this year, out of all the teams in baseball, surprised you the most, either good or bad?
1: Well, I think good would be Minnesota. I mean, uh, who, who could have ever suspected they're going to make the playoffs? I think Minnesota's number one. Uh, disappointments? Uh, I, I, we say those almost every year now. It's getting old hat, but I think Detroit, uh, certainly was a huge disappointment based on their roster at the beginning of the year and the, and the, and their payroll. Uh, what do you think?
0: Uh, I, I would tend to agree. You know, the team that disappointed me the most was the Giants. Uh, they just, they started out terribly and just tanked the rest of the year. They finished 40 games out of first place, Mark. That's unheard of. Yeah, I mean,
1: yeah, but look what happened to their pitching staff. They lost Baumgartner and they lost Matt, Matt Kane was never, he never yeah. recovered from his arm surgery. And those are two stalwarts they had. And, and then they, they had injuries throughout the year. So it, it, there's a difference when you can define disappointment when it's an injury based or whatever like that. When, when they're just playing bad baseball, uh, that's, that's a disappointment to me.
0: How about the Phillies firing their manager? You called that one last week.
1: Yeah, I didn't think it was a tough call. I mean, they that that team has some talent, believe it or not. I've seen that play enough. I actually live in Philadelphia, so I still kind of follow them. But the, the, the Phillies is a good fan base. I think they'll be back. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that they were in the World Series. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So uh, I think they'll build that organization back up.
0: All right. So who's going to? I mean, we gave our predictions at the beginning of the year, but now we know who's in the playoffs. All right, so when you look at these playoffs, Mark, let's start with the National League. Who do you think is coming out of the National League? Boy,
1: that's – I think Washington's going to beat Chicago.
0: Do you really? Yeah,
1: yeah, I do. I think if they get to the playoffs, uh, I mean, they got to play each other.
0: Um, Boy, wouldn't that be a I slap think- in the face to the Cubs? Dusty Baker beats the Cubs, knocks them out, ends their world championship reign.
1: I don't think the Cubs pitching staff can can stand up against Washington. That is an awesome staff.
0: Yeah, it is. It is. It it's the second best staff in baseball. That's right. I think you're right. Yeah. Um all right, the American League. I, I you know, I think it's the Dodgers. I, I really do. I think the Dodgers come out of come out of the National League. That that's my gut feeling. What you, about the American you like
1: League? Like the Dodgers over over Washington? Yeah, I or do. Chicago?
0: Yeah, I do. Yeah, something about this Dodger team. I've been telling you that all year. This Dodger team has got something about it. I don't know what it is, but it's got that it factor. I mean, there's no way, Mark, that this team should have won 104 games and Adrian Gonzalez missed three months.
1: Well, he's also going to miss the playoffs. Yeah. So he's done for the year. Yeah. But, of course, with Bellinger, you're not missing much.
0: Yeah, no, <laughs> right. no, you're not. So what about the American League? What do you see there?
1: Uh boy. Um I think Cleveland has to be, you know, the, the odds-on favorite. I, I don't know who you would pick against them. I, I think there's a bigger uh, difficulty level to pick the Dodgers against Chicago and, and Washington. Those are all really, really good teams. Um, I don't think Houston uh, can can beat Cleveland if it got down to that. Uh, what do you think?
0: I, I'm not worried about Houston. I'm not worried about Boston. I'm not worried about the Yankees. I'm worried about the twins. That's who scares me the most. I think if the Indians get up against anybody else and they play like they have the last month, two months of the season, there is nobody, Mark, and I mean nobody, that will beat this team.
1: Well, it's going to be an interesting playoff season because when you, it's always fun when you have a team like Washington or even the Yankees that you know didn't win nearly the games that the the division winners won. And yet they're in the playoffs and, and they become dangerous. Yeah. So you get you get 10 teams left out of, out of 30 and it, it's going to be exciting playoffs. I, I, this is one time that I do enjoy watching other teams play is the playoffs. So, uh, it, it's going to be exciting.
0: It is. And it all starts tomorrow night. One more question mark off the facet of baseball. They've got to hurry up and get Jamie and Claire back together again, don't they on Outlander?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think that there's not quite enough sex in that show without them. So, yeah, we, we need to have that. I mean, and, and there's a friend. By the way, just an aside. There was a there's a friend of ours, Linda Jordan, who you you've heard. Yeah. And she's one of our favorite stalkers. Uh, she's a big fan of Outlander. And last night, I know she was having purient thoughts uh, watching Jamie disrobe in that scene. So. Uh,
0: yes she was probably at night she was probably laying there going you can watch me you can watch me." (laughs) anyway yeah they've got to get those two together because i think you know i i love that show i love the books you know i I just think it's an outstanding and well well done show forget the sex i just think it's a well done show but they've got to get those two back together again yeah it's been a while, yeah, it has been, so all right, we'll talk more about the playoffs next week, Mark. have a good one, yeah. same to you, Dave. That's, that's gonna do it for this week's Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget this weekend, got a couple of games. Roger Bacon and Chaminade Julian will be on the air with the pregame show, 640, 7 o'clock for the kickoff. And then Saturday, Mount St. Joe at Rose Holman will be on the air at 2 o'clock with that one, 130 with the pregame here at UltimateSportsTalk.com. Mark and I will be back next week with the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show at 9 o'clock on Monday night. Join us then. Until then, for Mark, I'm Dave. Good night everybody. Go Indians!